With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, talking some Cardinals baseball here with y'all on this Wednesday afternoon slash evening after the Cardinals, they drop another one. You know, yesterday was pretty good. If you heard last night's podcast discussing the 14-3 winner for St. Louis, it looked like they had the mojo back a little bit, had home runs from Goldschmidt, Arenado, Carpenter. It was a great day all around for the Cardinals. But what did I say in that episode yesterday? It doesn't mean that suddenly they fixed the offense and the issues that they've been dealing with in recent days. Today was an example of that being the case as the Cardinals fall to the Nationals on Wednesday afternoon at Bush Stadium by a score of 6-0. to I mean, how many times have we seen this with this Cardinals team over the past, I don't know, two, three seasons it seems like? It seems like it's been a trend that they've had to deal with for a while where they can score runs and they can do it in bunches. That has never been a question for these Cardinals. But then what happens the next day? What happens two days, three days later? Are they able to consistently get it done? If you score 14 runs in one game and you score zero in the next, that's an average of seven runs over those two games. That's pretty good. That's a great average. You'd take that all season long. If you told, if you could say for the course of 162 games, my favorite baseball team, if they average seven runs per game, am I going to feel pretty good about their chances at the end of the year? Absolutely. And look, you're not going to be able to do it in this exact fashion every time. So if you're getting to that average, eventually you're going to have to have some games that are a little bit more toward the median. But in this case, there is no median. Cardinals score 14 or they score zero. And how many times have we talked about this being a team that needs to figure out what to do in the games where they're going to score zero to three, but finding a way instead to score four to six? Because that's going to be where the margin is for the Cardinals. That's going to be the difference in being able to be a competitive team that competes for a playoff spot and a team who can actually get there, win a division, and then make some noise once they potentially reach a postseason. Because consistency is going to be the name of the game. And when you get into playoff series like the Cardinals did against the San Diego Padres in 2020 and the Washington Nationals in 2019, and the offense decides to have three or four of those games in a row where they don't contribute even in a meaningful way, whether it's four runs, five runs on a regular basis, like you're not going to win that many games in the postseason having that happen. Everybody likes the postseason games when you score double digits, like the Cardinals did in 2019 in that first round series against the Atlanta Braves game five. But if you don't, if you don't do the consistent middle ground game very well, it's going to be tough. And so we saw another example on Wednesday of an offense for the Cardinals that is just not able to find traction. And, you know, when asked about it, Mike Schultz said, look, Joe Ross pitched really well today. And we've talked about this. Totally true. I mean, when a guy goes out six innings of shutout baseball 
only walks one, strikes out five, only gives up four hits, scatters those across the six innings that he pitches. Totally understand that. Now, I'm not going to rip Joe Ross like I did Eric Fetty on Monday after the Cardinals weren't able to solve him. I think Joe Ross maybe has a little bit more to his game. Career ERA is around 4.1. So he's he's an average pitcher, I would say, but having off to a good start this year has not allowed an earned run yet this season. But if you're the Cardinals, I mean, you've got Nolan Arenado in the lineup. You've got Paul Goldschmidt. You've got Yadier Molina. We'll get to him in the historic day that he had, or really the milestone that he reached on this day that wasn't so historic for the Cardinals. Like, you've got players in this lineup, and I get that they put together a a different batting order today than you typically would like to see if you're going to throw out your best at somebody. Lane Thomas was center field instead of Dylan Carlson. We're going to have to talk about him, too. You know, I've been on the lane train, but today was was an, a, a derailment for the lane train, to say the least. Uh, but Edmundo Sosa got the start at shortstop, had an okay game, went one for two in this one for the Cardinals. I think he got hit by a pitch as well. But that allowed for Paul DeYoung to have a day off, which probably wasn't the worst thing. But you see where Edmundo Sosa bats. He bats eighth, not clean up. And I don't know right now who would be the better offensive force between DeYoung and Sosa because of how much Paul D has been struggling. But my point in all of this is to say that you've got players in this lineup that can figure out a way. Like, the talent is there. I don't think that I, I look up and down the Cardinals' group of position players and say, you know, when player X, player Y, player Z is playing either at his best or at his median level of performance – I think the Cardinals are okay, but right now you've got DeYoung playing well below his median level of performance. You've got Goldschmidt playing below his as well. Had a tough day at the plate, 0-4 for with two strikeouts. Had the home run yesterday. I think in the long run, Goldschmidt's going to be fine, but we're talking about the Cardinals through 12 games and, and the reasons that they're kind of struggling to find that consistency offensively. You've got to count Goldschmidt within that outside of the couple of good games that he's had. Uh, Carpenter, obviously, another 0-4 day coming off uh, the big home run game on Tuesday. Doesn't end up carrying that over into the next day. But it's like, you know, you want to complain about Carpenter, that's fine. But Justin Williams, he didn't get a hit. Uh, Lane Thomas, 0-4. So, you know, it's it's up and down this lineup. Nobody within the Cardinals lineup today had multiple hits. They only had four as a team. So didn't even get one off the relief pitching for the Nationals. So that's where I kind of draw the line and say, all right, I understand, you know, the, the mentality that, hey, sometimes we're going to face a pitcher who's on his game and, and we're not going to be able to scratch much across. It's still your job to do it, though, right? Like, that's not an excuse. Um, y- your job is to, to throw your best at his best and be able to at least come away with something. There are going to be days where you can't, but you don't want to be using that. Ex- and again, I'm not even saying that the Cardinals are using it as an excuse, but it's certainly, you know, if it's even considered a justification, you can only play that card so many times before you say, well, maybe there's something about us that needs to be better than than the best that that guy's thrown out. Especially when it's Eric Fetty or Joe Ross. It's not, we're not talking about Clayton Kershaw. And then the guy in this series that you would think they'd have trouble with, Steven Strasburg, they beat the tar out of him yesterday. So, you can't figure it out with this Cardinals team. It's just the way it's the way things have have gone offensively for the Cardinals. Every time you expect that it should be a smash spot, they don't really end up. And I'm not gonna say every time, but certainly it's happened often enough to become a narrative that I think 
has a little bit of validity to it where they, they face a pitcher that they should be able to, to do something against and then they don't. But then they, it's like they, they rise to the occasion when they're facing a Strasburg, which I don't know if there's any fallout from Strasburg yesterday having a potential injury. I know that he was complaining and Davey Martinez was complaining about the fact that the Washington camera crew, like their own television broadcast, it wasn't Bally, it wasn't the Cardinals side, caught Strasburg in the tunnel, like rubbing his shoulder or something, and then there was some speculation about an injury. I haven't heard any update on that today, but I just know they were pissed off about it yesterday. But, like, you're beating up on these kinds of pitchers, and then, you know, the lesser the lesser names, it's like you can't scratch anything across. And while you want to make that as a justification or a reasoning to struggle against a starter, there were still three other innings in this game. You faced three, four other pitchers from the Washington Nationals' bullpen, didn't get a single hit down the stretch. And that's where I'm like, okay, this is something we've talked about. We've, we've considered the Cardinals throughout the, the beginning of this young season a team that prides itself upon its resilience and its ability to stick around in games and not be able to just kind of mail it in just because they're trailing in the middle innings. But you look at the games that they do lose, that's kind of been the formula where they don't stick in the game as well as they maybe could. And the formula goes like this. For whatever reason, whether he it's a, it's a struggle for the starter or just a game where they give up a couple of runs, and that's kind of what the case was for Adam Wainwright on Wednesday. Um, had some errors and some misplays that we're going to talk about as well that contributed to the runs that he allowed. Gave up four in five innings. Three of them were earned, and even those, you could make an argument, could have been spared with a, a better defensive effort by the Cardinals and one player in particular. We're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have to talk about it, even though he's my guy. Uh, it was not a good day for Lane Thomas. But when you look at it from the perspective of being a 2 nothing game after 3, a 4 nothing game after 5. That's still not a game that's over by any stretch of the imagination, but that has to kind of be the point at which you can turn it on. You can start to flip things in the other direction, make something happen. The Cardinals were trailing 5 nothing, and I believe it was the 7th inning when I tweeted it out when Tommy Edmond had the bases loaded. And it's not fair to, I'm not picking on Tommy Edmond because he's come through at times and been one of the, the more consistent producers for the Cardinals offensively he's one for three today had a double had a walk but leaves three on base because he comes up with two outs in that bases loaded situation where I basically said look five nothing game this is kind of the game right here if Edmund can come through you can figure out a way to start making something happen that's that's something the Cardinals can do they can make their way back into those kinds of games but if they don't get that jump start it never does seem to arrive like I feel like the Cardinals if they score in that spot Tommy Edmund gets a base hit it's five to two wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Cardinals then kind of rally around that and win that game. But they're very much, they seem to be a momentum-oriented team, which is okay when things are going well, but it's almost like they have to find their own. And I want—I don't want to use the word motivation because I don't think that quite describes what I'm aiming for here because I don't want to imply the Cardinals aren't motivated. I think they're motivated to win. You, you've got all the motivation that you need as a professional athlete, but, but there's got to be that extra gear, I think, to be able to sense that the game is within reach and you have to act now and make it happen. And in the games where the Cardinals haven't gotten it going offensively or they're a little bit too far behind, it's not like a one-run or two-run game. It's four runs, five runs. Still not a you know a deficit that's totally undoable. You know, crazier things have happened than people coming back from a 4-0-5-0 deficit. But it's almost like it gets to the point where the Cardinals and you just kind of feel the air kind of come out a little bit. 
And it's not that they're not taking good at bats. You know, some of them are, some of them aren't. I mean, it's that's going to be the case though throughout the season. I don't think we have to kind of sugarcoat anything when when talking about that. There are going to be days where guys don't see the ball as well, and they they have at bats that they're going to wish they had back almost before they get back to the dugout. That's just the way it goes sometimes. But I think collectively as a team, we see it too often lately where if they're down in that five-run range within the last few innings, it's it's just unless they get one bona fide signature moment to kind of jump things off and, and get things going, it's almost like you can just expect for that game to kind of quietly come to an end. And that's what it did for the Cardinals today. You know, when we do daily podcasts, we're going to have days where we talk about the Cardinals and it sounds like we think they're the worst team in the world because they don't score any runs and they lose by six and they don't get much going offensively and they look poor defensively in several areas. Those games are going to happen. But take a step back. I need to do it. Y'all need to do it. Realize this is still a 6-6 six and six Cardinals team. The sky has not fallen. But when we're, when we're digging into the nitty-gritty of a team like we do on B-Shape Daily doing darn near daily podcasts five times a week, sometimes more. We're going to be talking about the the stories of the day. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, the stories of this day was a lackluster offense and maybe even a, a more lackadaisical lackluster performance by Lane Thomas defensively in center field. Um, I just, I do not know what to make of it because I've considered Lane Thomas to be kind of a sleeper play that could make an impact on this outfield going back to not just this off season, but even last year before he got COVID and before all that took place, I've considered Thomas as somebody that, you know, fourth outfielder, sure, but the flexibility that he has being able to theoretically play all the positions defensively, has a good bat. All he ever did was produce before he broke his hand on that hit by pitch. I think he got hit by like multiple pitches in the stretch of a couple of days and ended up missing the end of that season when he came up. Uh, 2019, I believe that was. Thomas had like a 1093 OPS in that season in a small sample, albeit, but he looked like at the end of that year before he got injured, like somebody that could definitely be a difference maker in this outfield. And so you flash forward to 2020 and it obviously did not materialize because of the fact that he had COVID and then didn't really bounce back from that very effectively. Then early this season, he looks like maybe at the plate, he could be a little bit something Today wasn't his day offensively, going 0-4. for 4. I think he came into the day with a couple of hits and five at-bats. Now, obviously, the season batting average looks a lot different, but too small of a sample size offensively to really dig in and get anything meaningful out of. But defensively is an area where I think Lane Thomas should be able to thrive. And point blank, it has not been happening this season and last season either. Last season, I thought it was kind of the brain fog from having COVID. He talked about not feeling like himself. And I totally thought that was a logical explanation for what we saw from him at times, where it just didn't look like he was connected or in sync with what he needed to be doing defensively. And it was just some weird, you know, the kinds of things that you don't see from professional outfielders, especially outfielders that you consider to be plus outfielders at any given position. And that's what I thought of Lane Thomas. He's he's an athlete, right? He's got the speed. He's got the ability, the hands to make these plays and it just seems like he's a touch off right now. But then you get into the third kind of, if you want to call it gaff, because the first two, I don't know that you could really rip him too hard for that. Like, let's break it down play by play. He's got to play early in the game where he tries to make something happen by diving in on a ball, coming in on something in center field. He doesn't get to it and it gets by him. Now that's an error in judgment 
because if he just does nothing and fields it, it's a single, and a run doesn't score, you live to fight another day. And, and even if the run maybe is scored, because it might have been somebody on second, if I'm recalling correctly, but you live to fight another day. It's not a, a dire situation, but when you when you make that dive and you commit to that, it's almost like you've got to at least find a way to knock it down. He didn't. That's a little bit of an error in judgment, but it's the kind of error that the Cardinals will live with because it's an error out of aggression. And there are certain situations in a game, I think that was one of them, that honestly, if that's the only one we're talking about, I don't think Mike Shield has a problem with it. I think he would say, yeah, keep it in front of you, but he understands the genesis of where that play is coming from and what he's trying to do. And so I think he accepts that. I think Cardinals fans may be a little frustrated, but by and large, the fan base can accept that. I saw, though, my Twitter timeline light up on the second play that was questionable from Thomas on Wednesday, and that was the home run by Ryan Zimmerman that it just looked... And people said, well, he didn't even extend. He didn't reach for the ball. That was just a lazy play. I disagree with that assessment because if you go back and watch the video, that wasn't even the situation. The situation was, I think he had either bad footwork or a bad jump or whatever it was that caused him not to be able to get back on that ball like you've got to get to the wall and then figure out a way to scale it and he tried to do both at the same time and never really got there he was I mean it's like his jump led him into a crash into the wall where he never really got above it and again to say that somebody should like the the comment I saw a lot on Twitter is that's a home run that you've got to be able to rob I don't agree with that You can't ever say a home run is something you should be able to rob. However, Lane Thomas should have done a much better job putting himself in a position to rob the home run, which landed maybe 18 inches, if that, beyond the the top of the outfield wall in center field. And because of that, and because I consider Lane Thomas somebody with the athleticism to not necessarily make that play, but to know where he needs to be to put himself in a position to make that play, that's where I say he he missed expectation. Because if he takes that extra step or he gets there a step sooner, he's able to time his jump because he's at the wall. He's not trying to, you know, do an impossible. Like, he throws his body into the air. He was four feet from that baseball. It wasn't remotely close. And that's why people, I think, their impression was, well, he didn't put his arm up. That's not true. It just, you could put your arm up if you want to, like, you know, Edmundo Sosa could have put his arm up too. It wouldn't have made a difference. He wasn't anywhere near the ball because he's playing shortstop. So it, that was kind of the issue there. I, it's just like the reason, I don't know exactly. You'd have to go back and watch it and track it a little bit better. But he he should have been there and wasn't. And so, while I'm not going to say he cost the Cardinals those two runs because, again, he didn't throw the pitch. Adam Wainwright threw the pitch. If you're going to allow a fly ball that's going to carry 400 feet, as the pitcher, you probably would have liked to have done something different. But as the fielder, he could have maybe bailed his pitcher out in that spot. He didn't put himself in a good enough position to do that. And so it's not a total mark against him, but it, it is something that I acknowledged and noticed and said, yep, you know, you, you'd like to be in a better spot to try to make a play there. The third one is inexcusable. The third misplay, mistake, gaffe, whatever you want to phrase it, I, I tweeted it right away because I had been kind of in the weeds a little bit, seeing some tweets and defending, saying, well, you know, I think this is what he ought to have done. Uh, was it totally his fault? No. But I was kind of trying to justify, rationalize a little bit. But that once he does that, there's just no way that's a lackadaisical play, that's a lazy play. That can't happen. At the major league level, that cannot happen. At the collegiate level, that cannot happen. Minor leagues, high school baseball. That can't happen where it's a it's a routine single to center field. 
a bouncing ball. You know, it's it's got some hops to it. It's not like a, a, a worm burner or anything like that. But you got to get in front of the baseball and field it and throw it back into the infield. It's but but when you let the ball graze off the side of your glove like Lane did in that spot, that's an effort thing. And that's the kind of thing that I don't – and listen, Mike Schilt didn't rip the guy after the game. That's not the kind of manager Mike Schilt is. I know people probably would say, well, why didn't – you know, you hold his feet to the fire to find out what the hell's wrong with Lane Thomas on that play. Look, he was asked about the outfield. He was asked about Lane in particular. And the way he answered it was basically rough day at the office for Lane Thomas. We believe in him. We've got his back. We trust him. He's going to be better. Behind closed doors, though, I have to imagine that Mike Schilt was livid about that play in particular because that's the one kind of play that, as the St. Louis Cardinals, that talk consistently about priding yourself upon your execution and your effort and your hustle, that was none of those things for Lane Thomas in that moment. And that doesn't mean Lane Thomas is a rotten player, but it definitely you know, is a sign that something's off in that situation where... You know, I think you can kind of and, and Wainwright, his commentary on the situation, not about Lane specifically, but when Wainwright talked about these young outfielders and the fact that they're all kind of trying to find their footing at once, when you're somebody who you know your spot is not every day guaranteed, you know that maybe a, a, a misplay today could mean out of the lineup tomorrow. And that's a situation that a lot of Cardinals fans did not like the way Mike Matheny handled certain young players. Think about Colton Wong, always kind of felt like he was on thin ice. And then it wasn't until Colton Wong kind of was told, hey, man, we trust you. We know you can get this job done. We're going to go let you play on a pretty much everyday basis. It wasn't until that point that Colton Wong really came into his own. And it took more years than than you'd think it would have for a player of his talent level to do that. But I think part of that is it's a mental thing. You're pressing in those situations. And Wainwright kind of alluded to that you know, these Cardinals veterans, they're not going to tell you, you know, yep, someone is, this guy's terrible because he made a mistake. That's not the way they're going to handle things. But I thought the insight that Wainwright did have, just kind of bringing up the fact that, look, you know, all these guys are kind of in a similar boat where they're they're kind of maybe feeling a little bit of that antsiness to try to make something happen. Then feeling like one mistake could, you know, really cost you a spot the next day and you're you're playing tight. He said, we want these guys to go out and play loose. We know they're good players. We know they're talented players, and they can get the job done, but they've got to kind of feel the looseness in their game a little bit before they're going to be able to maximize the ability that they do have. And I think that probably describes Lane Thomas's day pretty accurately because when you look at it from this perspective, the first misplay we said was an error of aggression. The second misplay was you know, kind of an in-betweener. I'm not going to say that was a, an effort issue because I don't think that was the case. That's a tough play to make. He could have been in a better spot. Maybe he misjudges it a little bit. Those things can happen as well. But now you feel like, all right, you've made two kind of blunders in a game. You're going to be tight. You're going to be tentative in those situations. And I think you saw that for, for the latter innings of this game. Lane Thomas was just playing tentative. And that's what happens when you make when when, you, when he makes the error, the ball kicks off of his glove, and instead of a routine single, it's a guy that ends up on third base and a run is in. And then from there, it didn't get any better. There was a ball into kind of shallow left center field where the shortstop is ranging out on it. Left fielder at that point in time, Austin Dean, coming in on the ball. And it kind of falls into no man's land where you feel like a center fielder who would have been in a more aggressive state, kind of taking charge of the situation, 
that ball might end up getting caught. Maybe not by him, but he might be able to, like you think about the way Harrison Bader plays center field, he almost goes too far in the other direction where he's trying to have every ball be his ball, and sometimes there are balls that should be caught by the corner outfielder, but he's charging so hard on it, you you darn near have a collision between the two players because it you know it's just that's that's the high speed situation where a guy is not going to accept not getting to a baseball. And I know the overall outcome of getting somebody hurt in a collision is definitely worse than a ball just dropping in and an extra run scoring in one game because sometimes with an injury you can lose guys for a period of time and that's something that's easily preventable you'd think without having those collisions. But I've always said and and maybe not just in baseball but whether I'm playing volleyball or whatever I'm doing in intramurals back in college, like in high school days, you know, playing dodge or playing kickball, I should say, on the playground. Like I've always, my mentality, and I've said this to people and probably piss them off when I'm playing games with them because I get super competitive. I want to win anytime I'm doing anything. And what I would always say is, you know, when I'd see a, a ball drop between two people that I'm not even involved in the play, I'd say, look, I'd rather two people try to catch it than nobody try to catch it. Because somebody's got to try to catch the damn ball. And if there's two people standing there and they look up and, and, you know, because they're afraid of the collision, that's not the people I want to be playing with. I want to be playing with the people that are going to collide with me. One of us is going to figure out a way to catch it. And then we get up and say, yep, wish we wouldn't have collided, but it's pretty great that we caught that, isn't it? And that's not the mentality that Lane Thomas had today. Which, again, that's I'm taking it a little bit too far. These guys are professional athletes making a lot of money. Their livelihoods are at stake. Compared to me playing a schoolyard game, it's a little bit different. I don't want Lane Thomas or Austin Dean or anybody else to get into a collision on the St. Louis Cardinals. But I do think there is some validity to that mindset that that's got to be your ball. And if you're the center fielder, you're the quarterback, man. And, you know, based on the game he'd had, I just don't think Lane Thomas was in the mentality to be that outfield's quarterback in that moment. And Austin Dean, you know, probably, you know, Dean ended up being closer to the ball than Thomas was. But I think that was just a result of a little bit tentative. As the the center fielder, I think that could have been anybody's ball. Uh, but you got to kind of find a way to direct traffic out there. And it's something that they're still learning. And sometimes when you're playing alongside guys you're not typically playing alongside and you're not used to it, that can make it more difficult too. But at the end of the day, you know, and we didn't get to talk to Thomas about it. I'm not surprised that they, you know, they're not going to on Zoom when you only get to talk to three players or so. They're not going to say, hey, Lane, you had a really rough day. Let's uh, go have you go face the media. I get that if we'd had a chance in non-COVID times to go into the clubhouse and kind of, you know, it's not like, and as the media, people say, ask the tough questions. But I would say, you know, if I had to imagine going into the clubhouse after this game to try to find Lane Thomas, you know, to say, you know, man, what, what did you think happened out there? And, 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 you know, how are you feeling? How is it? And try to get a gauge for what's going on with a guy. Uh, who who obviously had a rough day. Doesn't mean he's going to have a rough career. I don't think so. I'm I'm seeing Twitter basically having already decided that this guy's done, um, and and they're tired. You know, and listen, as a fan base, you have every right to be tired of seeing certain plays and themes play out over and over again. Uh, but I think it's a little bit of an isolated thing. I'm willing to to say that Lane's going to get more opportunities unless you know you get O'Neill back. You get Bader back, that then is going to be a little bit more difficult to find time for him uh, because they, I think they do like the way Justin Williams is playing. He's taking a little bit more command defensively as well with his game. So 
I think you could end up seeing Lane Thomas kind of start to get boxed out if he's not able to turn things around soon, but he also may have the opportunity to find a little bit more playing time than he otherwise would have based on the fact that you've got injuries, right? When we talked about the Dexter Fowler trade and talked about the guys that they had in this group, you know, it was kind of a concept of, well, you know, how many how many guys are really going to get that everyday chance? But then you think, well, there's going to be injuries. And unfortunately for the Cardinals outfield right now, I would say two of the three that were considered the bona fide kind of pencil them in as starters to begin the season, those guys are out right now in O'Neill and Bader. So these other guys are going to have to find a way to get it done. Uh, and it wasn't the day for Lane Thomas to do that, but I think he's going to have more chances. And, and hey, when it happens that he that he gets his next opportunity, we'll be able to talk about it and see how he rebounds from what was a tough day for him in the field and, and at the plate. But at the plate, everybody had a tough day. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't anything unique to Lane Thomas. Uh, one guy who did come through with a base hit for the Cardinals, one of the four that they earned on Wednesday, was Yadier Molina. And so I'd like to talk about him a little bit before we get out of here because Wednesday was game number 2,000 caught by Yadier Molina throughout his career in Major League Baseball. And, of course, all of those games have come with the St. Louis Cardinals. And because of that, he becomes the first player in Major League Baseball history to catch 2,000 games for the same team. Adam Wainwright said after the game that, in his mind, that pretty much hard seals the uh, the Hall of Fame candidacy for Yadier Molina. I don't know how many of the BBWAA writers feel that way um, because I think you're going to have the people that, and this is going to be such a topic of conversation in the coming years as Yadier Molina presumably retires eventually. I don't know if he ever will, but... You'd think he he has to at some point in time. Wainwright said today maybe he does a, another 2,000 after this, even though it took him to age 38 to get to 2,000 games. Nobody's going to doubt that this guy can accomplish whatever he wants to. That's obviously hyperbole to say another 2,000. But uh, he's he's had a remarkable career. The longevity of it is certainly a part of that. And I think you've got some people who are going to end up voting on the Hall of Fame who maybe aren't quite as in tune to what – Yadier Molina has meant not only to the city of St. Louis, and I think other fan bases get tired of hearing about it because St. Louis, man, when it's got something good, it likes to toot its own horn about it, and I don't I don't see any problem with that. Yadier Molina, I've been here my whole life watching this guy, grew up watching this guy play, and, and now covering him as a writer for KMOV. Uh, this guy's the real deal, and he does things on a regular basis that it's hard to appreciate uh, in the box score every time. But you know what you can appreciate? The number of winning seasons – the championships and the the job that he's done with with pitching staffs limiting the running game. I mean, you just put that stat up about across Major League Baseball since Yadier Molina came into play, and maybe it's not even going back that far. But the the one I saw was maybe the last five six years, whatever it was. But talking about and that would only serve to whenever the stat was measuring whether it started in 2015 or whatever. That would even serve further to prove the point because Yadier Molina at age 38 in his mid to late 30s for the last five, six years, is still limiting the running game in that way. Basically, the statistics says it shows the number of stolen base, uh, base attempts by uh, against a given team. The Cardinals are far and away in Major League Baseball over the last however many years the least stolen upon team. And I'm not talking about successful steals. I'm talking about they don't even try it relative to... 29 other teams in the league if you're playing the cardinals you don't attempt a steal it's and and i mean it's mind-boggling the degree to which the cardinals have kind of separated themselves in that way uh, from the other teams and that's yadier molina that's the yadier molina factor and he comes through again today with a base hit 
always able to find the moment. I've talked about this before. He just seems like a guy that rises to the occasion, just like he did when he hit the home run, not 15 seconds after the Bush Stadium crowd started chanting Yachty the other day. It's just he's got a knack for these things, and that's why anybody who says clutch is not a real thing in, in, in sports, I absolutely disagree, and I point you to Yachty or Molina because the guy is the epitome of clutch, and he does it time after time after time. But as far as you know, his his season – what we can expect from him, he's off to a really good start offensively. His hit today got him to a 10-game hitting streak, and his OPS is above 900. He's batting close to 350. Uh, I don't think he's going to keep that up, but I, I did want to mention it before we got out of here for the end of the show that what this guy's doing offensively, people say, eh, I don't know, is Yadier Molina really a number 4 hitter in the lineup? I know that's where he's been slotted in a couple of times recently. No, no, I think it's okay. I think at this point in time, and look, he didn't have a great day today. He just had the one hit. And it's been striking out a little bit more, too, than, I, than I'm than i accustomed to seeing him do. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the name of the game for the Cardinals as of late. But certainly, I think uh, age 38 still looks to be going along pretty strong. And uh, Cardinals fans are, are glad to be able to continue watching him do his thing for at least the rest of this season. And then who knows after that. I don't know if we're going to have to be doing this uh, conversation every offseason. We know he wanted to play two more years and then only got the one-year contract. So... We'll see if Yachty ends up sticking around beyond 2021. But you know that you have the opportunity to enjoy watching him play while you can this season because uh, he's going to be around trying to help the Cardinals get to the promised land. Uh, they're, they're not there at this point, 6-6 six and six to start this season. Um, but we've seen elements of this team that's talented enough to get it done. They've just got to find that consistency. And we'll see as uh, this season goes along if they're able to do that. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it on B-Shape Daily. Obviously, I would love to have you uh, along for that ride. If you want to subscribe to this Cardinals-centric podcast, all you got to do is head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, just like my Twitter handle, bshafer12, and you can look to the More Platforms tab, and that's where it opens up, and it'll show you Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, like a bunch of other stuff, too. Figure out where you want to listen to the show. Subscribe, lock it in, get the notifications rolling so you know every time a new episode of B-Shape Daily comes out. I tweet them out, too, because I'm still trying to get you know more subscribers to this thing. I, I, I love that we're a show that's growing right now, and I love you all for listening. Um, but every, every day, every time I, I see more people listening to, to an episode subsequent to the previous one, uh, that's a lot of fun for me, and I take a lot of pride in that and enjoy bringing it to you guys. So I uh, appreciate that. And... Also, if you're enjoying the show, or if you're not, whatever you think about it, would love to have you reach out. I'm pretty accessible when it comes to, to DMs on Twitter. Like, I leave them open so anybody can message me. And I love hearing feedback on the podcast. I love hearing about what you do like, what you don't like, questions, commentary. Uh, and if you really wanted to get involved, you can leave a message. It's like a voicemail on the podcast, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. And you can record your own voice, talking about the Cardinals, asking me a question, telling me I'm an idiot. It doesn't matter. You have the freedom to do it right there. So we'd love to get you involved in the show if you decide to take that avenue. But for this edition of B-Shape Daily, I'm Brendan Schaefer. Going to get on out of here after this. Cardinals have an off day on Thursday. 
remains to be seen whether we'll do a podcast tomorrow with the off day. Uh, certainly, if there's news, we'll have something for you. But otherwise, maybe it'll be a day off. And then we'll attack it as the Cardinals do their road trip heading to Philadelphia and then to D.C. to take on the Washington Nationals once again, see if they can fare a little bit better in that series than they did in this one. Appreciate you guys once again for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time.